today we have the opportunity, you guys can have a seat, today we have the opportunity to hear from uh, Jordan Merkel. If you haven't met Jordan, he's a good friend of ours. Uh, Jordan, uh, his, he's married to Dolly. He's got two little ones, Evangeline and Arabella. Uh, Jordan spent 17 years serving with a ministry called Crew, and his focus was sharing the good news of Jesus in the Middle East for 17 years. And currently he works with a humanitarian branch of Crew called Unto, overseeing humanitarian aid for North Africa, the Middle East, and Central Asia. So uh, Jordan at Christ Point, he leads a small group, and he also I had the privilege of working with him in our student ministry. He works with our high school guys. And so, and on here it says, Go Blue. So he, he's obviously a Michigan fan. So let's welcome Jordan Merkel. Um, well, thanks for having me. Um, man, I love the music here. Like, I just, every time I hear it, man, it's like, mm, just that. I, I say, mm, and I think of like a spiritual yummy, like when you eat something really good, and it just, man, it just prepares my heart. And uh, so thank you guys. And um, yeah, I just, I, I know we just prayed. I'm just going to pray again real quick because, uh, yeah, um, I ask that you guys would pray for me and, um, and pray for yourselves as we uh, jump into this. And um, so let me pray. Um, Lord, Thank you. Um, thank you for a beautiful day outside, and just thank you for the way music moves us and the way music prepares our hearts. Um, and I pray that our hearts are prepared uh, for this message, and um, I ask that you would speak um, through me um, and that everybody here would hear um, only what you want them to hear. And anything that is not of you, I pray um, they wouldn't hear. And so... Lord, be with us in this time, uh, and I thank you uh, for this opportunity to share. I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Well, as Phil mentioned, um, yeah, I've been, we've been going here, my wife and I, for about a year and a half now. We moved uh, from New York City and came down, and we, we found this church pretty quick. I think it was the second one we tried, and we looked at each other and said, I think we're good. I don't think we need to search anymore. And so it was really great to just come and be here, and we've tried to jump in and get involved as much as we can. And um, I don't know, a month or two ago, James kind of asked if I would consider preaching, and I said, sure. Uh, and at first, he, he actually, uh, the Honduras trip, he mentioned, hey, if, I, if we don't get back in time, if something happens with our flights, uh, why don't you take this Sunday, just in case, and if not, you'll do this. Sunday a couple of weeks later, but so I was ready a couple of weeks ago, and um, it kind of got me thinking, um, two weeks ago was actually a holiday, which I doubt anybody here celebrated, but it's actually one of the biggest holidays in the world. It's called Eid al-Adha. Um, it's an Islamic holiday. It's celebrated in all over the world, probably every country where there's a Muslim. It is the biggest Islamic holiday, bar none. It is their Christmas and Easter, Thanksgiving kind of all rolled into one. Um, it's the time where their families get together and they just they enjoy each other and they celebrate. And the holiday is actually, so Eid is called, that's the Arabic word for holiday. Um, they, they just call it Eid. Like it's so big they don't even need to say anything else. When you say Eid, that's what they think of. It is the holiday. But Al-Adha means the sacrifice. 
And so that's what they're celebrating. They're celebrating sacrifice. And in fact, usually when families gather, they get together and... I got a, got a little too excited there. Um, families get together and they, uh, they'll sometimes slaughter a whole goat or sheep or something and kind of do this, this holiday together and the family eats a, a whole lamb. Um, and so that's uh, what they do, but they're they're actually referencing a different sacrifice, um, one that as Christians we're pretty familiar with. Um, it's actually the the story of Abraham um, and sacrificing his son. Now they've got a few differences. They you know they say it was Ishmael instead of Isaac, um, and there's reasons why we think it's Isaac, um, but it's a it's a great connection with any of my Muslims friends talk about this holiday and to jump in and talk about sacrifice. And I try not to focus on Isaac or Ishmael because I don't think that's the, the purpose of the story, who it was. Um, and in fact, I, I'll, I'll, we'll cover that. I, I'm not going to tell you quite yet what the purpose and who the most important character is. But I want you to think because if, if you ever have Muslim neighbors or friends, this is such a good way to just engage them. And so hopefully by the end of this today, you're going to be better equipped to engage um, your neighbors and friends that are Muslims, but anybody really, um, be able to engage them better. And um, and so that's kind of kind of jump us into what we're going to talk about today, because we are going to talk a little bit about sacrifice, and we're going to talk. Um, our, our verse for today is actually uh, a verse that kind of leads us directly into the the whole story of sacrifice. So we come into this verse. Um, John 1, our verses, John 1, 29 through 30, and then we're also going to look at 35 through 37. Um, and it says this, The next day he, John the Baptist, uh, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus, and as he walked by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Okay, a little context here. At this time, John was kind of the the street preacher out in the desert. He was sharing. People were coming from all over the region. I mean, Jews, Romans, um, people from all different sorts of backgrounds were coming to hear John preach these messages, right? And so John had this group of disciples, much like we think of Jesus' 12 disciples, right? John had a group of followers who were always around him. And uh, while we're not given the name of both of these disciples, we know one of them was Andrew. Um, and John is, is preaching, and he's, he's the Billy Graham, right? He's, everybody's coming to see him. And this random guy walks by, and he's like, Behold the Lamb of God. And these disciples are so impacted that they're like, I'm done with John. I'm going to go follow this guy. Who they, they prob- maybe had met, maybe not. You know, it's, it's, he's not famous. He's not popular. He's not the guy people are going to see. But there was something about that statement, behold the Lamb of God, that impacted them so much that they're like, we're done with John. We're following Jesus. So there's, there's obviously a whole lot of context loaded into that statement. Behold the Lamb of God. And that's what we're going to unpack. And we're actually going to kind of walk through 
uh, the Old Testament real quick because this was their Bible and Andrew and the other disciples were were pretty good. Um, you know, they're Jewish boys who probably grew up learning the Bible, so they knew the story. In fact, I, even just a little thing, Andrew was so impacted by this, he went and grabbed his brother and said, look, Peter, we found the Messiah. We've got to go follow him. Like that's how impacted he was by this statement, behold the Lamb of God. He went and got his brother and said, we've got to start following this guy over here, this nobody. I mean, if, if James next week gets up here and he's preaching and he's like, oh, my goodness, behold the cow of God, you know, because there's cows out there. We're all familiar. We see them sometimes, or at least we see what they leave. Who's going to go and walk after whoever James points at and says, I'm going to go to this guy's church now? None of us, because we don't have any context for what that means. But Andrew did, and Peter did, and the other disciple did, and they run after Jesus. So the story of sacrifice begins all the way back with Adam and Eve. Right? We, we know the story. They're in the garden. They sin. They fall. What a lot of people don't realize is that the very first sacrifice in the Bible is actually done by God. God kills an animal, right, to, to actually put clothes on Adam and Eve. They were naked, right? With their, their thing they first realized after they sinned is that they were naked and they felt ashamed. God covered up their shame with a sacrifice. The very first sacrifice, God is actually the one who sets the example for something that humans would do for thousands of years later, thousands of years after him, right? God covers their shame with a sacrifice. And then we know this story of Cain and Abel, and they both had sacrifices, right? And God accepted one and rejected the other and said, Abel's is good, Cain's is bad. Um, Abel had an animal, Cain had vegetables. Abel brought the best, Cain brought average, right? God said, Abel, you're good. You got the animal, you got, you got, you got the, the best that you have. That's the sacrifice I want, right? And, and we can go on. We could, we could jump a lot deeper into all these stories, but we kind of learn a little bit more. Okay, the sacrifice, it's, it's an animal, right? It's, there's something about blood we kind of hear from that story. And then, um, of course, we get to Noah. We know Noah offered sacrifices. But then the, the next big story, and this is where Edel Edha comes in, is it's Abraham. And we know Abraham had been promised a son for a long time. In fact, Abraham was promised a son when he was pretty old already, and then he had to wait 25 years to get his son. So Abraham is not like a spry chicken, and he's not super excited to give up his son when God says, Abraham, I want you to take your son whom you love, who I promised you, and I want you to sacrifice him for I want you to take him up to the mountain and sacrifice him. In fact, Abraham was, or Isaac was probably maybe almost a teenager, maybe a teenager at this point. So Isaac wasn't a little kid either, right? Isaac, Isaac wasn't quite sure what was going on, but he, he did it of his own accord, right? But Abraham tied him up and was ready to kill him, right? Knife in the air. That's what we read in the Bible. And, and then an angel stops him. And this is where the, the important part of the story gets. Abraham looks and he sees a lamb. He sees a ram caught by its horns in the bushes. And he sacrifices that lamb instead of his son. 
You see, the lamb was a substitute, right? God asked for his son, but he accepted the substitute ram. And this is important because, the, and we, we know the ram is the most important part of the story, this lamb, because Abraham actually names the place the Lord will provide. What did the Lord provide in that moment is he provided a substitute. And this is one of the first great pictures of what we see of a sacrifice being a substitute. Right? We saw it covered shame, but now we see that one ram, this one lamb actually replaced Abraham's one son. It's this one-for-one trade. And there's a lot more, like I said, in, into the depth of the story, but if you're talking with a friend about this, don't focus on Isaac or Ishmael. Focus on the lamb. That's who's important in this story, or what's important, maybe. Um, and, of course, we, we know that 400 years go by after Abraham. Uh, people go into Egypt, and they become slaves, and they grow. It's this big thing. But uh, God raises up Moses, and um, we see them leave. And as they're leaving, right, what, what is the big thing that happens is, is a holiday called Passover. And God had actually, you know, he sent all these plagues, and, and God told them this is the last one, and you're going to get to leave. But he told the Jews, hey, gather up your family and kill a lamb. And this lamb's going to keep your family safe, right? If you were too poor, actually, they would sometimes get maybe a, two families together, right? But it wasn't like this huge, huge groups of people. But that's what they did. They, they gathered their family, and they sacrificed the lamb to God. They put the blood on the door and all this other stuff. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we could, we could go into. But the idea here is that God is saying, you know what? This lamb is going to cause me to pass over, right? And, and you're not going to have a death in your family. It's going to be a substitute again. The lamb is the substitute. And it's covering the family now. Right? It's not just one person. It's one family. So it's a, a sacrifice to cover the family. And then we, we keep seeing there's a whole bunch of things. Right? The, the Jews run out of, they get out of Egypt, they're in the desert, and God actually implements another sacrifice. They had all sorts of little sacrifices, but it's like every time they did something wrong, they're supposed to, to kill an animal. And then God finally says, hey, we're going to do one big day a year. Right? And, today, and it's the biggest Jewish holiday. It's called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. And one day a year, the whole nation would gather, and they'd have two, two uh, rams, two sheep, two lambs, and they would, one would be let go and one would be sacrificed. And that sacrifice was to cover the whole nation of Israel. And so we're seeing this story progress, right? From covering the shame, to covering one son, to covering a family, to now covering the whole nation. And there's lots of other things we could look at with sacrifice, lots of stuff. But we see this progression. And so when uh, 1,500 years later, John is preaching and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Something clicks with them. It's not one person. It's not one family. It's not one nation. It's the world. 
that this lamb, this what is a lamb? It's a sacrifice that this lamb is going to take away. The whole nation, not just the whole nation, the whole world is going to be covered by, by this guy who is the lamb of God. So this is clicking with them. And they go and they run after Jesus. And that, that is 100% exactly what John wanted them to do. You see, John had a purpose in his life. John's purpose was to point people to Jesus. He actually said, uh, I must decrease, he must increase. He said, he who comes before me, or he comes after me, ranks before me. He said, Jesus' sandals, I'm not even worthy to untie. John wanted people to forget about him and think about Jesus. John wanted to become nothing. Right? That, that was John's whole purpose. And in fact, John reminds me of a guy named Bill Conti. Anybody here know who Bill Conti is? No? Okay. I didn't expect you to. Um, Bill Conti wrote a song called Gonna Fly, Gonna Fly Now. Anybody know that song? No? Okay. It's actually one of the most famous songs. I think all of you will immediately recognize it. Can we, can we listen just 10 seconds? You'll probably know what it is. <laughs> Anybody know what that song is? Say it. Rocky. We don't think of Bill Conti when we hear that song. We don't even think of the name of the song. We think of Rocky. Rocky Balboa, right? The boxer, this movie, right? This is a super famous song, but nobody knows who Bill Conti is. That's exactly what John wants to be. He doesn't want to be remembered. He doesn't care. He wants his life to be 100% pointing to Jesus, right? And that's, that's why he's... He's super happy that his disciples are leaving him and going to Jesus. It's not this competition thing. And that's actually what we're supposed to be doing too. I mean, the whole Bible is is story after story after story yelling, Behold Jesus. Behold Jesus. I mean, behold Jesus, the lamb who was the substitute for Isaac and is the substitute sacrifice for us all. Behold Jesus the Passover lamb, whose death caused the punishment of God to pass over all of those who believe. Behold Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, who makes atonement for sin, not just for one person or one family or one nation, but the whole world. The Bible is one big story yelling, Behold Jesus. And our life should be one big story yelling, Behold Jesus. I love these t-shirts. I I had no idea these were coming today. I didn't know this, but I just felt like this is the providence of God at work that I'm talking about this today, and we get these shirts that say, I've got good news, because that's what I want us to talk about is the fact that we have good news. We can yell, behold, Jesus. Look at Jesus. Like, even the word behold, right, we, it's kind of a weird word. We don't use it all the time. I, I looked up the Greek. It's not just it's not just look and see, it's experience, right? Go and, ex- like, go, look, look upon, experience. That's what it means. And so that is what our lives are supposed to be about, experiencing Jesus and then telling others, go and experience Jesus. Um, we're, we're given the Great Commission, which is a commandment, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's a, an awesome commandment. And I want to talk, like, why I think that is 
maybe the most, I'm not going to say most important command that we're given, but maybe the most impactful commandment we're given by Jesus. You see, of all the things that we're supposed to be doing as Christians, it is the only one I can think of that we can't do better after, like in heaven. Right? If, if our goal as Christians is to worship God, right? We worship God. We want to know God. We want to follow God. We want to love God. We want to enjoy God. All of those things we can do so much better in heaven. Right? In heaven, I'm going to be perfect. In heaven... I'm going to get to behold God on his throne like I am going to know God. Man, and I'm going to enjoy heaven and God and everything in there. And it won't be hard to follow, right? I'm just going to be worshiping before the throne in a perfect way that I can't even imagine now. But there's one commandment I just can't do in heaven. I can't go tell people about Jesus in heaven. Everybody already knows. I can't say, go behold Jesus. I, I think that's the purpose of why we as the church are here. Like, why, why, not, why wouldn't God just say, hey, I'm going to zap all of you. Anybody who becomes a Christian, I'm going to zap them up to heaven because they're going to be able to follow me, worship me, everything so much better in heaven, right? It's because he's got a purpose for us. He's got a life purpose for us, and that's to go share about Jesus. That's to go tell others to behold the Lamb of God, to do exactly what John did. Um, and so I want to talk about two things, just two little secrets for us to be better equipped to go share Jesus with people. Um, the first is there is no formula to sharing Jesus, but there is a formation. Just like John said, behold, and I told you it says go and experience Jesus, like that's what we have to do. We're not transformed instantly, but we are conformed to Jesus. Um, Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Like God has a plan for us to be conformed to Jesus. And in order to be conformed, we need to know him. We need... We need to spend time getting to know our Savior. We need to spend time in the Word. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to, need to dig deep into the story of the Gospel and understand it and experience it. Enjoy it. Right? Like the, the Bible shouldn't be something like a chore. It should be something like a, a wonderful dessert that we, we get the pleasure of eating. Right? And I'm not saying that it's always easy to open up your Bible every day. That's not the... That's not what I'm saying. But man, we've got to love God's Word. We've got to get on our knees and pray. Like That's how we're conformed. We're not. It doesn't just happen because we sit around and do nothing. God moves in us, works in us, and we become conformed to who He is by spending time with Him. Right? That's, that's how we're conformed. So, and if you're truly beholding Jesus if you're keeping your eyes on him and if you're experiencing him, I guarantee you, you're going to become a little bit more like him. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Right? It doesn't mean tomorrow it's all going to happen. But, man, looking back, you may not remember every meal you've eaten over the next 20 years, but you can be sure that it sustains you. In 20 years, looking back, 
understanding that you spent time with Jesus, you're going to be formed into a different person. And I just used 20 years as an example, but it can happen tomorrow and the next day, the next day, the next day. Every day you can become a little bit more like Jesus. So, like I said, it's not a formula for sharing Jesus. You just need, it's a formation. The second secret um, is really simple. Just share. You don't have to be perfect to share Jesus. You don't have to have all the words. I, I, I've, I've heard people actually tell me before that, man, I've got this sin and like, oh, I want to share with my coworkers, but my language is bad. Or I want to share with this person, but they, they, I grew up with them. They knew all the bad stuff I did. Like, that's okay. Because when you're sharing, your goal is not to say, look at me. It's to say, look at Jesus. Right? Sharing the gospel is not about you. And it's not about your life being perfect. It's, you know, if somebody says, hypothetically, you're trying to share with somebody and they say, why would I even trust you? Look, I know you do this, this, and this. You can say, I know, isn't it wonderful? I'm forgiven. Like, that's, that doesn't matter to Jesus that I do those things. Like, yeah, I want to get rid of them, but, but it's not about me. It's about Jesus being perfect. It's not about me being perfect. Isn't that wonderful? Like, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have all your ducks in a row to go sharing. You just have to be willing. You just have to do it. Just go. Open your mouth. Um, it's funny. People, actually a Pew Research poll said that 90% of Americans believe in God or some sort of higher power. So if you're going to go share with people, you're, we sometimes think we're going to run into the, like, this angry atheist and it's just going to be this huge confrontation. Well, guess what? Chances are most people would be perfectly happy to talk to you about Jesus. Most people would. It's, it's a myth and it's a lie that people don't want to talk about Jesus. Just open your mouth. You don't have to share, you don't have to gospel dump everything at once, but start talking about God. Start talking about who he is around people. I mean, it's kind of like talking, talking about anything else. We talk about things we love. I mean, I had Phil say, go blue, right? I love Michigan football. I do. I love watching and following and all that other stuff. But if I'm talking about Michigan football way more than I'm talking about Jesus, what does that say that I love more? If I'm spending all my time looking at sports stuff or politics or movies or anything, more than I'm, I'm trying to talk, about Jesus and and research this God whom I love like what does that say about me and I I'll be honest like I'm not perfect in this I don't expect any of you to be perfect in this right uh, I don't always behold Jesus but that's what's great right I'm forgiven right it's not about me it's about Jesus it's not about me being perfect in this it's about me trying to be conformed to Jesus so we just go share um Romans 10:14 says, "How will they call uh, on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? Words matter. We can't just show Jesus with our lifestyle, and I do think that's important. I'm not trying to say we don't show Jesus with our lifestyle, but we we need to open our mouths. We need to open our mouths. 
We need to talk about Jesus with people, just like you would talk about sports or politics or movies or anything. Talk about the one you love. In fact, Paul, um, you know, he wrote a bunch of great stuff. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, he, he mentioned what's the most important thing. Like, what do you talk about first with Jesus? And he said, For I delivered to you as first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Paul said, you, it's, it's not about all these other things, right? We can talk about church. We can talk about um, the Bible. We can talk about a whole bunch of things. We can talk about what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right. But Paul says right here, the thing you need to focus on first is that Christ died for your sins, that he was buried and raised again on the third day. Like, that's, that's it. That's the gospel right there. Jesus loves you, and he died for you. He didn't, it's, it doesn't matter if you've got all this junk in your life, if you're not perfect, like Christ died for you. That's, that's the most important thing that Paul says you need to communicate to, pe- to people. So when you're opening your mouth, right, because you can't really communicate that unless you're a really good mime, you've got to open your mouth and you've got to tell people that Christ died for them. That's, that's what's important. And, y- and you notice that doesn't have the statement me in there it's it's jesus right because you're beholding jesus and you're telling them to behold jesus the lamb of god who died for you and here's the thing is i know a lot of you probably in here um some of you probably do share with people probably some of you have maybe never shared with anybody and it it can be timid it can be a little scary to open your mouth and start talking about Jesus, but I know each and every one of you can do it. And I'm going to tell you how I know. Because um, I've experienced it. Um, I have a friend named Abdullah. And I want to tell you a little bit about Abdullah. Abdullah, um, this is when I lived in the Middle East. I'm not going to go into too much about him, but um, Abdullah came from a small little country town. We um, he kind of had a nickname that's kind of like redneck in English. Like that's kind of how they would they would call it. Um, little country town, and um, but Abdullah was interested in Jesus. He was interested in learning and started talking. He, he wasn't a believer when this story happened. Um, but one day I was on campus and I was talking with Abdullah, and we're at a little table and we're kind of outside. And there's this old mullah who's kind of like. He'd kind of be like an elder at a church, but at the mosque. And this guy took it upon himself to come on campus every few days and just talk to kids because he wanted them to be better Muslims. He didn't work there. He didn't have any reason to be there other than he just wanted them to be better Muslims. Um, And so he would sit down and talk with a group of guys. And he saw me, and he's like, great, I'm going to convert a foreigner to Islam. That's kind of what he thought. So we sat down at, uh, I was talking to Abdullah and we started having a conversation. Abdullah was kind of translating because my Arabic wasn't good enough to really go into that deep of conversation. And before I know it, Abdullah is no longer translating. Abdullah is just sharing the gospel with this guy. Full on. 
he's explaining everything, and he's like, Jesus died for you, and this is... And I'm like, I'm like sitting there thinking, wait a second, Abdullah doesn't even believe this yet. But he knows it. And it started me thinking, he's been in the Word of God. He started to get conformed to Jesus. And now it's just coming out naturally. Right? He's sharing Jesus with this guy. And before, before you know it, we had about 20, 20, 25 students just gathered around in a circle listening to Abdullah, myself, and this, this mullah talking. And it's amazing because something, one of the funniest things, it, it may not be that funny, but I thought it was funny. As the kids are doing this, there was one kid in the crowd, and you could see he's just baffled. And he finally spoke up and he said, what they believe, right? He said they, he didn't say me. He said they. What they believe is so much better than what we believe. And the other guys looked at him and he realized what he just said. And he backed away and ran off. Because he knew it was about to become dangerous for him if he started, like, you know, really getting into that. But it's, it's true because what that crowd had started experiencing, and I, I could guarantee you that most of the kids were kind of thinking the same thing, but they just wouldn't open their mouth and say it. What that crowd was experiencing was somebody saying, behold Jesus. Just look at Jesus. Look how good he is. And that's, that's all we need to do. The most stubborn person will be amazed if they see Jesus. But they're not going to see it unless we start opening our mouths and sharing it. They're not going to understand it unless we, as the body of Christ, do what we're told to do and go and share. And so I want to I encourage all of us to be a John Conti, to be John the Baptist, to be Abdullah, to be opening our mouths and pointing people to Jesus. I'm going to pray for us real quick. And I'm going to pray that this week, every single one of us here has an opportunity to open our mouths and talk about Jesus with somebody. Maybe it's going to be the t-shirt that initiates it. Maybe it's just walking over to your neighbor. Maybe it's seeing somebody in the grocery store. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. My wife knows when I see somebody from the Middle East in a grocery store, I just go up and start talking to him. And it happened two days ago. I got the guy's number. I'm going to sit down and have coffee with him and try to share Jesus with him. That's just, that's just what I do because I'm trying to get conformed. And they're not going to hear unless somebody does it. And if it's not me, I don't know who else is going to do it. So I, I trust that you can think the same way. God is placing people before you every day who need to hear about Jesus. So just go tell them to behold Jesus. Just say, behold. Behold, behold, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you have given us a mission to tell others about you. Thank you that we can be like John, that we can... We can tell others to behold you. Thank you that you've given us your word. You've given us your body. You've given us everything we need to go and say, 
Behold the Lamb of God to those around us. And so, Lord, this week I pray that we all have an opportunity. And I pray that we take that opportunity. I pray that we go preach the good news that Christ died for us and was buried and rose again. I pray these things in your name. Amen.